Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. Do you ever think of what people will say about you when you die? Do you ever think about who will attend your funeral? Do you ever think about who will not attend your funeral? Now, if your first thought is, Lillard has finally lost it, you are not that far off. But for those of us who are clergy, and you now have six of them, a lot of what we do is we meet with people who have to look death in the eye. And they spend some qualitative time, they spend some quantitative time thinking about, have I been living, have I been loving on the right path or the wrong path? So I don't think what I just said is out of context. How do I treat people? Am I overly selfish? Do I make a habit of using people for what I want? By and large, am I generous? By and large, am I generous? Am I kind? Am I capable? Do I actually forgive other people? Now I suggest that you spend a little time, I did this week, evaluating my own answers, but I would say it would be better to have somebody else evaluate you and me. It might be more, shall we say, honest. But here is where I'm gonna get a little odd. Have you ever thought about being invisible at your own funeral? There you are able to see everyone who attends and you're able to hear what everybody says. Now granted, at my funeral, I'll see some people and go, I'm, I'm certainly glad that my family came all the way from North Dakota, way to go. And other people who came from a long distance, perhaps you would as well. But it was also good to see you and you and you. I'm glad you came. But what in the world is he or she doing at my funeral? He or she never made time for me when I was alive. Must be here for the free food, my guess. And then, of course, our hearts would go out to those who were having a hard time. And we would say to them in an angelic form, don't worry, don't be sad. I'm grand. Now, just to be clear and not be misunderstood, living one's life is not a contest to see who can have the biggest funeral or who can have the greatest mass of sad people. But this much I can tell you from a lot of years of experience that how we live with others and how we love others really, really, really matters. And when you officiated a funeral, you can see it in the countenance of the people who are in those seats in this setting, and you can see, you can feel how they loved or how they did not love. Just so you don't think I'm morose without cause, thoughts of death and legacy came to mind because in this morning's reading from the Gospel of John, Jesus is fully aware of the fact that he's going to die. Not in the I have a few months or years to live. No, Jesus knew exactly how and when he was going to die. He knew the exact minute, the exact second. And so what does Jesus do when he knows he's going to die? 
He simply says, before I go to the other side, I want everyone to know what I think is vital, but more about that in a bit. A story is told of a young unmarried man who was suddenly diagnosed with a terminal disease. I know I'm choosing peppy and light topics today, but this man owned his own business. Days after receiving the terrible news, he announced that he was leaving his own company. He did not tell his own family, at least not at this moment. Everyone in the office wondered, what will this young, unmarried, wealthy man do with the time that remained? Will he travel the world? He could afford to go around the world three times, if not four. After he packed up his office, he said goodbye to his colleagues, and they had a little cake and ice cream, and everyone asked him, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, what are you going to do? He answered, I'm going to go home to be with my family. Just the other day, my mom said that things are crazy around there. Her back is acting up again, and dad is halfway through five home remodeling projects, and my brother is having trouble with school, especially with math and science, and I have a graduate degree both in engineering and math, and so I can come in handy. As I see it, I'm about to lay myself off, which means I will have time. Time to go home and to love and to be loved before I go home for good, that is. In today's text, knowing that it wouldn't be long until he went home for good, all Jesus really wanted was for his children to obey his teachings. And so he said it time and time again. So a story is told of a husband and wife who gather for breakfast at the breakfast table and the wife begins the conversation by saying, do you know what day it is today? And because he's a guy, he just said, of course I do. But he had no idea other than it was Thursday. Thanks be to God, his wife's phone rang and she picked it up and he thought, thank you. Because I have no idea what day it is, but I thought just to be safe, I'd say, yes. Work was calling her in early. She went off, he went to his work, and he thought to himself, I must find out what today is or else. And so he begins to search. My wife's birthday? No, that was two months ago. Nailed that. Anniversary? No, that's in the fall. I will not forget that again. What day is it? What day is it? What's special about today? And so he just is safe and he decides to call Bachman's and send some flowers. Never hurts. Send him to her work. Good. With a note, let's have dinner at your favorite place. This is going well, he thought, but what day is it? On the way home, one of his friends is a jeweler, so he bought a little nice bracelet and went to supper and gave it to her and it was a wonderful day. A wonderful, wonderful day. The next day, one of her friends called and said, I'm sorry, I haven't talked to you for a while. I was going to call you yesterday. How would yesterday go? And the wife said, I don't know, but I had the best Grand Hogs Day of all time. 
remembering. Remembering important dates, remembering birthdays, remembering Groundhog's Day, just the importance of remembering. Here's some things, remembering whose we are. We who are here, we who are watching online, we are the children of God. That is our identity. Who we are, we have been created to be a little Christ in the world. That was something that Martin Luther talked about. C.S. Lewis took it and ran with it. In other words, we are the representation of Christ. We are not perfect, of course, and we are not the embodiment of Jesus, but we can also be little Christ. And what we are, we are baptized, we have been called, and we are sent into the world every day to bring others a visible slice of the gospel of Jesus Christ, remembering who and what and whose we are. But I want to focus on this. Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And those who don't love me will not obey my teaching. Listen up, little Christ and little Lutherans. There's a little quasi part of me, and my colleagues know, that I love Lutheranism because we are about grace and forgiveness and mercy and forbearance. And if we miss the mark, Jesus, like the kindest parent in the world, will say, that's okay, that's all right, I love you anyway. I almost sang there. But there's also points like today where don't kid a kidder that Jesus is not kidding. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And if you don't love me, then you're going to go this way. If you love me, you're going to earnestly strive to go that way. In other words, we believe in forgiveness and mercy and loving kindness. But if you're a parent or you're married, when something goes awry, do you always and only say, well, you know I love you forever, and you know that I will forgive you, and you know that I really am not going to focus on the fact that I'm hurt. Come in for a hug. Really? If you live in the Lilliard house, and I can't speak for you, or the Hermanson house, or the Bachman house, or the Larson house, or the whoever house, there are expectations. There are rules. And usually the rules you have are not to be punitive, they're to keep law and order and goodness for the people who exist. The commandments have been given for the welfare of other people, not so we can be compliant with God so then God can reward us. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And it sounds like it's very crass. But it's not when you actually winnow it down, when you redact all the things that come into play with what Jesus is talking about. What's he talking about when he says, my teaching? Well, actually, there's not only one answer, but here's my answer. That a lawyer came up and tried to entrap Jesus by saying, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important law for me to follow? Because I'm kind of busy and I just want to do what I can and nail it. 
And there are 500 and some laws, and there are 10 commandments, and Jesus actually does not. Jesus will never give you an answer that is not true. Jesus did all the little work of just down here to the pinpoint. Remember this? I say this often because it's at the core of my faith. And I don't care if you're a pastor or a parishioner, you're new to faith, or you've been old to faith, there are a couple things that I just cling to, and this is it. Jesus said, you want to know what's most important? I'll give you two for the price of one. But they are intertwined. They are completely enmeshed. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the second is like it, and the second is like it. In other words, if you love God, you will love my children. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? If, then, love God, love people. If you love me, you will obey my teaching. And what's the most important teaching? Love all my children. Not the soap opera. Literally, love all my children. But it's hard, isn't it? It's really hard to love everybody. I've told you before, one of the things that saved me is my mom and dad. The fact that I was a bad student, you know what? Their expectation of me is that I would try. That I wouldn't perform, but that I would try. Effort, passion, being in the game. One of the guiding principles I have in leading anything, a staff or church or anything else, also with our three kids, is I want to know that at least you're invested. Go love your neighbor. I don't really want to. Okay, then go love that neighbor. Well, I don't know. They seem kind of odd. No, really, I want you to love your neighbor. Not the ones next door only, but everybody else. And what I'm saying, my friends in Christ, is that every single week, I do believe we preach grace and forgiveness. And this is not at the expense of it. This is what Jesus said. You're going to at least earnestly try to do this. And here's my example, because I love sports. You know that. If I'm a basketball coach and we're playing a team and I know that the point guard is the one who's going to beat us, I'm going to say to my point guard, he or she, I'm going to say, you stick on that person like a cheap suit. Where he or she goes, you go. When I look for that person, I want to see you. You will have a number of fouls. Try not to foul out in the first quarter, but you go. And then I let... The game begin, and I see this athlete going like this, looking over at me, exasperated, looking up at mom and dad. Oh, completely terrible expectations by Coach Lillier that I have to guard this person. And then just phoning it in, not moving the boots, not moving the shoes, and so I call timeout. And I'm saying to myself, help me, Jesus. Because I told you one thing, and I wanted you to at least try. And you know what I would do? I look at the forehead. And if I see no beads of sweat, 
When that child, when that boy or girl says, I want a double team, I want someone to help me, I say out loud, when I see beads of sweat, I'll add another person. Because I want you to invest yourself. In order for you to guard, you have to guard. In order to score, you have to shoot. In order to learn, you have to read. In order to sing like they sing beautifully, you have to practice. You feel me? This doesn't just happen. By the time I retire, I'm afraid I'm not going to be as good as I want to be, but you know what? I'm starting to pick up some things from people who are really successful in other realms. They have a plan, and they work the plan, and the plan changes, but you never see them resting on their laurels. Really good teachers write new lessons and don't do the same lessons for 25 years. Pastors don't give the same sermon all the time or else you wouldn't come back. Parents change it up. Parents have to run after their kids. And yeah, our life is different when we have a four-year-old and a six-year-old and eight-year-old and you can't go everywhere because you can't afford it and you're tired and you can't take them. Yep, parenting, sacrifice, but it's worth it. Beads of sweat. And I said it last week and I'll nuance it differently that I do think that we have the answer to what assails most of what we have in our neighborhoods and community and nation. Before Jesus died, he said, I want you to obey my teaching. And what's the most important teaching? Love one another. And then Jesus also says, in this same text, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you, will help you remember everything I have said to you. This is spiritual. This isn't me saying, this isn't Jesus saying, can you just suck it up there, buttercup, and you can just love people? This is actually going back to the source of the one who said, I want you to do it, and then promises, I will. You ever realize that when you and I get into a, a skirmish with somebody, that one of the things we don't tend to do is pray for that person? It's counterintuitive, isn't it? Someone gets in our grill and someone steps on our foot, metaphorically or literally, and then the last thing we want to do is actually pray that we could actually treat them with kindness. Instead, we're kind of wondering whether or not how we can get a pound of flesh and make this a little bit more of a contest. But I also urge you, as I urge myself, with the people with whom I have some difficulty when you start praying for them, the next time you see them when you've been praying for them, it's just kind of a weird thing when you've been praying for fill in the blank and earnestly trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. When you see that person and then you're tempted to kind of say, well, here's round three, and you realize I've been praying for you, it changes your heart. The other side is also that Jesus says, I love you and forgive you. But I'm calling you to do great things for people and with people. 
And one of the sad parts of my 30 years in ministry, at least personally, is that many times when something happens, something happens in the family or something happens to someone's child or there's an argument between people or there's a skirmish and staff or whatever the case is, I don't know how much we practice forgiveness. And I want you to know that I always preach to myself first. That we are forgiven, that we are loved, that no matter how much we miss the mark, but what I'm saying is there is a mark. There is a target. And Jesus wanted to tell them, I want you to obey my teachings and if you love me, you will take that love and then you will give it to somebody else and then I'm gonna give you more. And so here's something that I want all of you who are watching, all of you who are seated here, is I want you to do something not un-Lutheran, but a little bit more fundamental and exact than we do. Before your feet touch the ground every single day this week, you with me? Before you, oh, before I, oh, and then look at the phone, look at all the emails, our calendar for the day, and then going, how's this going to work? You remember this. Dear Jesus, help me remember who and what I am today. Sincerely, you know your own name. If you want to, take a picture of it. No, really, right now, you can. If you don't want to, remember it. Because here's what I do believe. If we remember who and what we are every single day. Dear Jesus, help me remember who and what I am today. Until you come back to church next week, I want all of us, this is your homework, because I do believe that Jesus wants us to touch base every single morning and check in. And then say, help me be more loving and kind. Help me be more forbearing. Help me to love those who are difficult. And here's the great news, my friends in Christ. Even when we miss the mark, we're golden, we're good, and we're loved. But those who love me will obey my teaching. We love Jesus. So help us God love all of God's children today and every day. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you, and God bless.